about the Word of God, right? Because it's uh, the psalm where the Word of God is mentioned in almost every verse. But, you know, when you really look at the psalm, it's not really about the Word of God. It's not really about anything. It's a psalm that's written to someone, not about something. The closest thing that we have in Scripture to Psalm 119 is John 17 where Christ is communing with the Father. And as He's coming to the Father, He's trying to reside His will. I say trying. He is wrestling, He is praying, and He is residing His will to the Father's will. And what you see as you get into Psalm 119 is you see this individual who's who's wrestling through different seasons, different scenarios, different circumstances... And he's responding to the God who's spoken to him. And he's seeking to draw near to him, to learn from him, to find comfort from him, to find strength. And certainly, the Word of God is involved in that. But Psalm 119 is not about a book. It's about a person. Maybe we could say it's about two people, right? Um, The most repeated words in this psalm are the words I and you. Okay, Longest I and you conversation we find in Scripture, Psalm 119. And so as we think about that and we think through this psalm over the next couple of days, one of the things that you begin to see is the psalmist speaks to the Lord the way that he does because he's been meditating on Scripture. I mean, he just opens his mouth and Scripture comes out. This is a psalm that certainly stresses meditation, and really meditation is the key to benefiting from a psalm like this. Uh, if, if the first thing you think about when you think about Psalm 119 is that it's the psalm about Scripture, maybe the second thing you think about when you think about Psalm 119 is it's the long psalm. Right? If I were to read it right now at a normal pace, it would take us 15 minutes for me to read it. 176 verses. The way we benefit from a psalm like that is not to read verse 1 to 176 over and over and over again until we get something. It's making our way through and then parking it in an area. Meditating. Seeing what is it that the Lord has for me here. Hopefully, as we go through the weekend... You'll have at least five opportunities to do that as each speaker's been given a, a topic and, and some parameters around their passages to, uh, uh, to bring uh, to you. And so um, if we were to just sum up Psalm 119 and we were to make it about something, we could say this. It's, it's about a man who's gotten a hold of the Word of God and about a man who the Word of God has gotten a hold of. That's the prayer for the weekend. That we would get a hold of, that we would grasp the Word and that the Word would grasp us. That we would explore the Word and then through our own meditations, allow the Word to explore our own hearts and our own lives to see where we might consider our ways and turn our feet. 
And so again, I am excited to be with you. I'm looking forward to our time together. Elder Andy White will be our first uh, speaker uh, this evening. Love Brother Andy. I'm so thankful for him and for his friendship and for his ministry. And before he comes, we're going to have um, a word of prayer. So Brother Zach Guess, would you come and, and pray for us as we start out? Father, we praise your holy name for just being here. We live and move and have our being in you. We couldn't move a finger without you. We Every breath we draw, every heartbeat come from you. And Lord, the spiritual desires also come from you. I thank you so much for giving us a spiritual heart that makes us desire the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, our precious Savior told us, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. I pray you'll fill us tonight. Father, we love Brother Andy. We know he's come a long way. I pray you'll give him Liberty, bless him physically and spiritually. May he be strengthened with might with your spirit in, in the inner man. I'll pray for myself, Lord, but all the brethren here, please open my heart. I'm ready to receive the words that are spoken. I want an uh, open heart, open mind. I pray my life may be changed just a little bit, at least, Lord, and we can become more sanctified, closer to you, and grow in grace, not the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we praise your name. We thank you. We say this all the time. It should never become old. Oh, thank you so much, dear, dear Savior, for dying for us. I'm a sinner, God, but I hope to see you in peace because I've been cleansed by your precious blood. May that be real to us, Lord. May we live on the shadow of the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come ahead, Brother Andy. Let's open up to Psalm 119 and begin reading here in the first verse. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. O oh, forsake me not utterly. What a blessing we have over the next uh, day, uh, or less than a day, to immerse ourselves in the word of God. And most of all, to come into the presence of the God who spoke that word. And it is my desire that we would have the word get a handle on us. The first message here tonight is going to be about growing in wisdom. Uh, the title I was given for the message was Your Blessed Life Now. So I'll tell you about how you can be rich 
and healthy and successful. That is rich in the wisdom of the Lord, rich in heavenly treasures, spiritually healthy and successful in bearing fruit to the praise of God's kingdom. This psalm does lay out for us what a blessed life is. It is one that is directed by the word of God. This um, message could be summed up in this way with this description. The path of blessings in this life is a path that is characterized by a growing pursuit in learning and obeying God's word. The blessing is not simply in mastering the word, but having the word master you. And as you have the word to expose the deficiencies of your heart and life, and in turn, teach and transform your life and character. That speaks well to what this psalm is about. As the psalmist writes these words, he extols the word of God and extols the God who gave that word and expresses his fervent desire that the word would be what directs his path. The psalm is arranged in 22 sections of eight verses, and it's an acrostic style of poetry if you will, where each section is arranged by a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each of the eight verses in that section begins with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And in printing of my Bible, it lays out each of those letters and the blocks of eight verses, those stanzas. And we so we see even in the arrangement of it, it is focused on the language that God is using to communicate his truth to us, through his word, and then the psalm itself in, in nearly every verse has a word for the word, the law, the statutes, the judgments, the precepts, the testimonies, the ways of God. Almost every verse speaks of these things, of the law of God. But, but not only that, but it speaks in many different ways about our relationship to God's word speaks about walking in, keep, have respect unto, learn, taking heed, not wandering from, hid in my heart, be taught, declare, rejoiced in the way of, meditate in, delight myself in, behold wondrous things out of, and so on, and it goes. And so we see from this, it's not only extolling God's word that he's given us, but it is uh, again and again declaring the importance of God's word to be in our heart, in our mind, in our words, and in our actions. That we would be fully transformed by the word of God. That the word of God that communicates his will for our lives would be lived out in every aspect of how we think, speak, and act. That the Word of God would master us, would master our lives. And uh, it speaks of these things, that that it extols God's Word and the importance of it. And and the result of that is, is God is using that as a means to accomplish His purpose in us, That is to conform you to the image of Christ 
as individuals, and also that as a community of God's people, we would grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would grow up into maturity in the faith that we've been given, fully living out the life of Christ as his word masters our lives, our thoughts, our actions. He extols God's law, his testimonies. And I I think of this, I, I think it's appropriate to think of this as it speaks about the law of the Lord. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord or the testimonies of the Lord or his way, ways, his commandments, to think of this as the whole revelation of God in the Bible to us, Old Testament and New Testament. I want to uh, go on a little bit of a, a tangent for a moment on the Old Testament law and, and the relationship that we have to it, because we maybe take for granted that we get great value out of the New Testament, but... Uh, the psalmist that was writing these things was thinking about what we think about as the Old Testament law. So let's consider for a moment what the relationship is of the Old Testament law to us today and the value that we can derive from it, from it which I believe there's great value in it to us today. Uh, several things. First of all, we are taught both uh, by the words of Jesus himself, also by the Apostle Paul, of the Old Testament law, that love is the fulfilling of the law. Paul wrote this, he said, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So in that, Paul addresses uh, all the all these commandments of the Old Testament, and he cites several of them from the Ten Commandments, several of the most important and prominent commandments, and he said that these can be briefly comprehended in the saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so if you love your neighbor then you're not going to commit adultery. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet his things. And so he speaks about how love is the fulfilling of the law. And so you could say if if we're to love rightly as we ought to love, then we will, by implication, fulfill the law. But that also means that as we meditate on God's law and as we learn God's law, we learn what it means to love our neighbor. As, as we meditate on the law that God has given us, we learn in all different aspects what it means to, to love our neighbor. I want to look at an example. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22. I'm going to look at a few things from this, so you can mark Deuteronomy 22. Might seem like a random example, but I think... Uh, it demonstrates well this point. Deuteronomy 22 in the law, it says, Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again to thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, 
Then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. Now you might feel like, well, I've never had an occasion to obey this commandment that God has given. But God's commandments have been given to us to meditate on them. God's commandments are given to us to consider them and consider what they are revealing to us about God's will for how we are to love our brother. And so you can look at a commandment like this, and if you were in Old Testament times, and if you had your brother's ox, you might have a very direct implication of this. It is teaching you how you are to love your brother. And we might look at it today and consider, well, what does it mean for if I were to find my brother's wallet, my neighbor's wallet? What am I supposed to do with it? Does God's word tell me anything about how I'm to love my brother or my neighbor in that way? I believe it does. Jesus says this and more about love being the fulfillment of the law. He says that the great commandment of the law is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, he says, hangs all the law and the prophets. So by meditating on God's law, and living in obedience to God's law, we are learning how to love God and to love our neighbor. A second point about the law. As you meditate on the law, you are learning about the character and attributes of the God who gave that law. This is, uh, this is one of the things I think, uh, is an implication of what Lewis was saying, that this isn't just about the word, it's not just about a book, it's about God. It's about what he's revealed to us about himself. So we're also learning about God and his character. We're learning what he desires of us, what pleases him. Uh, thirdly, we are told that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And so there's an element of God's people growing to a state of maturity that relates to the law. And and this, I think, helps us to understand how many of the Old Testament laws under the Old Covenant, especially many of the ceremonial laws, they were very particular and very specific in a way that the guidelines and laws about how we worship God in the New Covenant are not uh, given to us in quite the same way. The Old Testament law said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now think about for a moment how the rules that you're given that guide your life are different when you're young from when you're grown and when you're mature. Perhaps when you're a child, you have your parents give you a law that is something like you have to eat uh, 10 green beans before you can have your dessert. Uh, I don't think that's that far-fetched. We probably had laws like that with our foster children. You have to eat 10 green beans before you can have your dessert. It's very sensible. It's very, uh, it's a very righteous kind of law to give, and there's a purpose behind it, and there's a meaning behind it. 
But when you grow to maturity, when you grow to maturity, hopefully in your maturity, you're living out the spirit and the purpose of that law and not uh, the childish form of the law that was given to you. And certain things about the law, they were given to God's people when we were in our childhood as God's people, but now we are supposed to be growing up to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. And so we have to live out the purpose of that law. So that there, there's meaning in that. Why are you having them eat 10 green beans? Well, you're hopefully you're teaching them to have self-control. You're teaching the child that sometimes in life, before you enjoy the sweet and the pleasurable things, you have to do things that are maybe a little less pleasurable. Um, that you need to take care of your body, that you need to look after yourself, uh, that you have to deny yourself certain things. You're, th- there's all kinds of principles that are in that that go far beyond needing to eat 10 green beans before you have your dessert. And then the fourth thing I will say about the law, as you meditate on the law, think about this. It says Jesus came, he was born of a woman, he was made under the law, and Jesus lived his life in a context in which he was fully under the law of God and he lived in perfect obedience to that law. So every time you look at and you meditate on the commandments of the law that are given, you are also seeing a description of how Jesus lived his life when he was here on this earth. And so through that, you're learning about your Savior through those things. Because he fully, he fulfilled the law. He lived it out in perfection as no one else had ever done. Let's consider, uh, let's read on a little bit in Deuteronomy 22 and think about how some of these things apply. He goes on, he says in verse 3 uh, in, of Deuteronomy 22, In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, and with all lost things of thy brothers, which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise, thou mayest not, Hide thyself. Verse 4, Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. You can look at commandments like that and you see the character of God and how God wants us to live towards one another demonstrated in those things. But you only see that by giving it meditation, and consideration, and I would say attempting to live that out in our lives, practicing those things that God has given. So we see, we learn from that, that, you know, God, God uh, cares about how we treat our brothers and our brothers' possessions. It goes on. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. We have to meditate on those things. What is that teaching us? What is it teaching us about God? It's teaching us that God has designed us in a certain way. That God made male and female. 
with certain distinctions. God desires our clothing, how we dress, to uh, maintain and accentuate those distinctions. Does this mean that if I'm out and uh, my wife's cold, that I can't take off my coat and give her my coat? Well, that that seems like keeping her warm and pr- protecting her would be in line with God's commandments. So as we as you meditate on those things, as you think about these things, we learn about the character of God and what he's revealed of himself to us. Goes on. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young, but thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days. Here we see God is God is taking note of how we treat a bird that we find with its eggs, and he's giving us instruction of how we're to handle that situation. It's interesting, Jesus would later say that uh, God takes note of a sparrow when it falls, and God cares about uh, those things in that intimate detail, but he cares about how we take care of the creation. But as you meditate on those things and you think about it, well, why would God give a commandment like this? What is he What is he saying? Well, he's saying if we were to find a bird with its eggs, we're to leave the mother. If we're to take the eggs or to take the young, we're to leave the mother. We're, by doing so, we're preserving fruitfulness in the land. We're taking care of the creation that God has given us so that it in turn would be a blessing to us. Uh, one uh, commentator on this, also combining this with God's command that thou shalt love thy father and thy, that, that thou shalt honor thy father and mother that it may go well with thee and thy days may be prolonged in the land, saw in this a testimony about even the resurrection from the dead. And he imagined a scenario where a father sends his son, and he says, son, go and gather, climb that tree and gather the eggs from that nest, uh, but leave the, leave the mother in obedience to God's command, and the son climbs up to do so, and, and in doing so, and in doing this, he falls down, and he, and he dies. And he says, how then is, how then is God's promise that his days would be prolonged fulfilled in this case? He said, well, it must be a testimony that the promises of God are sure, and therefore this is a, an example, this is a testimony of the truth of the resurrection from the dead. We can learn much by meditating on the law of God. Just one more verse from here. When thou buildest a new house, when thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou not bring blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. Now here's a law that made sense in a context where People uh, went out on the roofs of their houses and they would hang out and they would socialize up there on the roof. And he says, if you build a house, you have to build a fence so that you don't bring blood upon you, so that, that someone doesn't fall off and die. And so again, what are we learning from this? This isn't about a, a legalistic particular situation that you today, with building a house with a roof that no one ever goes on, 
have to build a fence around your roof. The purpose that this is given is that God cares about the value of life. God wants us to be thoughtful in our actions so that we are looking out for the well-being of others, that as much as we have it in our strength and our power, that we seek to do good unto our neighbor, not expose them to unnecessary harm. See, we, we can learn much, not just about how we are to live, but about the character of God who has given these things in his word. All right, let's turn back to the psalm. Again, Psalm 119, he says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. We are called to walk in the law of the Lord. We are called to walk in the word of God. Not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. This is what James wrote in James 122. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We can be hearers of the word. We can even be acquainted with the truth of the word. But for the word to be effectual in your life, you must be a doer of the word. It must be lived out. It must be practiced. When it speaks about the walk in the Bible, that speaks about the ordinary course of our lives, our, our normal course of actions. It's been brought to my attention that in, in those times when most people got around, even up through the time of Jesus, most people going around everywhere you went, pretty much you were walking. You were walking wherever you're going. So when it speaks about your walk, you can think about the normal course of your life. Is the norm, is the course of your life directed and guided by the word of God? Are you living out God's word? That's my challenge for you to consider. Consider your life. Consider, is your life mastered by the word of God? Are your thoughts shaped by God's word so that you respond to the challenges that you encounter in life? The situations that you come up in, in your job, in your families, when you have conflicts in relationships, when you, when you uh, face the challenges in your work, are the way that you think about those things shaped concretely by the word of God? God's word speaks to, to those things. Sometimes it's, in a very direct and obvious way. Sometimes there's a verse you can turn to and anybody could turn you to it and say, this verse says exactly what you should be doing in this situation. And sometimes it requires a deeper amount of meditation and consideration, but nonetheless, God's word speaks to every situation in your life. So is God's word shaping how you think about those things in your life? Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. We see that uh, this is not something, uh, seeking to walk in God's word is not something that you can be casual about. It can't just be a small part of your life. 
It can't just be something that's on the shelf that you turn to every once in a while. It requires a full orb seeking with your whole heart. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. So we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. And maturing in the word, maturing in our faith and in our living out of the word, it requires practice. In, in some respects, it's not different from any other thing in life that we grow in and get better and more skilled at. One of the subjects of this message is about growing in wisdom. Growing in wisdom. Well, how, how are you going to grow in wisdom? You're going to grow in wisdom by, first of all, reading God's word, hearing God's word, so that you have the right input coming in. You have to have the knowledge that comes from being acquainted with God's word, hearing God's word, yes. But we only truly grow in wisdom if we are practicing those things that we are hearing. Probably many of you play or have played a sport in your life. Uh, when I was growing up, I played baseball and soccer. And imagine, imagine if uh, when I set out to learn how to play baseball, I decided that the way that I was going to learn how to play baseball was I was going to read books about how to play baseball and stop at that. It, it's, a, it's an absurd thought, right? We, we all know right away that, that it's absurd that you would, never, you would never become an expert in baseball just by reading about how to play baseball. You would have to do it. You would have to put those things into practice. And so it is with the Word of God. It must be, we must read it, we must meditate on it, give consideration to it, and then we must live it out. We must practice it, practice doing it. That is how we grow in maturity by practicing God's word. And I would also say practicing being obedient to the word of God in increasingly difficult and complex circumstances. There may be things in, in your life where you find obedience to God's word is uh, not difficult for you at this stage in where you are in your development. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing if it's habit, if it's if it's easy for you to obey God's word in this area. But that means that God has another area for you to continue in your growth. And maybe there's an area of your life that if you're, if you consider and you're honest with yourself, that you're not as consistent or skilled at being obedient to God's word in that area. And that's where you need to work. You need to continue where you're doing well but you need to work on the area where it's difficult for you. Back to the sports metaphor again. If you, if you have uh, become skilled in a sport, you know that that's how it works in, the, in that realm. You learn a technique, you learn one area, but if there's, if you have an area of weakness, if you're, if you're a basketball player and you can shoot really well, 
with your strong hand, but you can't shoot at all with your other hand, you need to perhaps work on that other hand. And so it is that we need to continue to grow by practicing obedience to God's word in those areas where it is most difficult. Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I encourage all of us that we need to continue to grow in maturity, in faith, and in our use of the Word of God in our lives. We need to continue. We can't remain uh, immature in the faith our whole lives. We have to constantly be growing, and we all have room to grow. We all have uh, room to continue growing throughout our whole lives, but we need to continue. We can't remain babes. We have to have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's so simple, but the uh, the types of challenges that you will be faced with in life as a man, as you grow up as a man in this, this world, as you grow older, and you will face increasingly complex, difficult challenges that require wisdom, discernment, and, under, and a deep understanding of God's Word to be able to face those challenges and and, and deal with them in a way that is honoring to God and has a God uh, honoring result that is good for you, good for you and good for others. And they will become increasingly challenging and complex without your life. And so you have to have a deep understanding of God's word, but also the practice of having that the exercise of having practiced obedience to God's word in other circumstances throughout your life so that you are ready when you're faced with that challenge. Growing to maturity. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you never, if you never started chewing solid food at any point in your life, if you only ever just drank milk from the time you were a baby, uh, and then someone presented you with a juicy steak, but you had never chewed anything. You had never uh, chewed, you had never used your teeth, used your jaw to chew down into food. Somebody could present you with a juicy steak and you would not be able to handle it because you had not built up the strength and the ability And so it is with growing in the wisdom and truth of God's word, obeying God in increasingly complex and difficult situations is how we grow in maturity. Let's read another section of this psalm, Psalm 119, verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. 
Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Jesus once said to those that uh, followed him and listened to his word, he says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, he, he conveyed to them that knowing the truth, knowing the truth was not merely about some knowledge that they had in their head. It was about the lifestyle in which they walked. It was continuing in his word, walking in his word. And so I encourage you and exhort you once again as throughout these uh, next hours and times as we meditate on God's word from this psalm. Like he says here, it is my meditation all the day. I encourage you, spend time meditating on God's word so that you fill your mind and your heart with his word. May it fill your mind and fill your heart. May God's word fill the words that you speak. So as you speak to others, that your words, whether it's you're giving advice, you're giving encouragement, you're responding to someone's criticism, whatever you're doing, may your words be shaped by God's word. And then put into practice obedience to God's word in every area of your life more and more that you might grow in maturity and wisdom through the practice and use of God's word and how you live, that your walk would be shaped by the word of God.